If you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to turn with me to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Hebrews chapter 1 and verses 1 and 2. That's where we'll be at this morning. Or afternoon, I guess it's after, technically after 12 o'clock. So. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. As you guys know, we're now at the conclusion of the month of January. And for many of you, that means that you've likely been working your way through an annual Bible reading plan for about four or five weeks now. For some of you, this is a discipline that you're committed to on an annual basis, on a yearly basis. You try to read through the Bible from start to finish. And my hope and prayer is that this would be another successful year for those of you who have done that before. But maybe for some of you younger people in here today, you've never actually read the whole Bible from start to finish. Maybe you've never made it through a reading plan before. Maybe you don't even know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and this is all kind of new for you. You're just here because your parents wanted you to come here. Wherever you are on that spectrum, we're here to help you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And it is ultimately our prayer that you would be committed to studying the Word of God for yourself, whether to come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or to further grow in your relationship with Him. There's a lot of places in Scripture we could have gone to accomplish that end. A lot of places in Scripture that encourage studying the Word of God and ultimately motivate the believer to commit themselves to growing deeper in their relationship with God. But as I prayed about what I would go or where I would go in Scripture today, I couldn't get away from a passage that has spoken to me profoundly for the past seven to eight years of my Christian life. And that place is Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Why this passage? Well, I find that this passage testifies to the unity and the cohesion of the biblical narrative. Stated differently, Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 to 2 teaches us that God's word is ultimately about one message. It's about the revelation of the person and work of Jesus Christ. So for all of you guys, when you go home tonight, you can tell your mom and dad, I know the single unifying message of the entire Bible. I can summarize it for you in one sentence. It is the revelation of the person and work of Jesus Christ. You see, there are many different stories, many different themes, many different people within the Bible, many different lessons that we can take away from Scripture. But ultimately, if we get to the sum and substance of what God's Word is about and why we should even study it in the first place, it's ultimately valuable, it's ultimately worth committing to memory and applying to life because it testifies to the person and work, the revelation of God's only begotten Son, Jesus of Nazareth. And once we come to the place of recognizing that the fundamental purpose of God's Word is to reveal Jesus to humans like you and me, whether it be thousands of years ago during the Old Testament time, or now 2,000 years on this side of the cross, when we come to understand that the Bible's fundamental purpose is to reveal Jesus to you and to me, our desire of studying Scripture will increase substantially. So with this in mind, by way of introduction, I want to take some brief time to make just three observations from this passage that we're going to be diving into 
today. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. What are three key observations that we can make from this passage to hopefully by the time we leave this place to be deeply committed, further motivated to study God's word? If you're taking notes, I've chosen to summarize that first observation from this passage in this way. Observation number one, reason number one to study God's word as testified to in Hebrews 1 verses 1 and 2. God's preparation for Christ's revelation. First observation from this passage. God's preparation for Christ's revelation. Notice verse 1 in the first half of verse 2 with me in your copy of God's Word so we can see this observation together. Starting right at the beginning of the book of Hebrews, the writer writes this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. God, after He spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days He has spoken to us in His Son, Now, in the opening remarks of this letter, the writer of the Hebrews wants his readers to come away with this foundational principle of Bible interpretation. So for all of you guys, regardless if you're five years old or if you're 50 years old here today, the most foundational and important principle of studying the Bible is expressed right here at the outset of the book of Hebrews. This is it. What's the most foundational and important principle of Bible interpretation that you can take away for the rest of your life? It's this right here. Jesus Christ is the goal of the Old Testament, and we see Him fulfill the Old Testament in His life as testified to in the New Testament. Jesus Christ is the goal of the Old Testament, and the New Testament testifies to how He fulfills the Old Testament. Every story, character, lesson that we find in the Old Testament, from Genesis to Malachi, ultimately exists to point the reader to what would be fulfilled by Jesus during his incarnation. As recorded in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 24, verse 27, we find that Jesus shares this understanding of the Old Testament. And as the old saying goes, if Jesus believes something about the Bible, we should too. Listen to how Jesus understood the Old Testament record in relation to Himself. He said, beginning with the writings of Moses and with all the prophets, Jesus explained to His disciples the things concerning Himself in some of the Scriptures, most of the Old Testament. No, all the Scriptures. According to Jesus, the entire Old Testament record points to Him. Unfortunately, today, I don't have time to get into every nuance of how the Old Testament points us to Christ. But as many of you have seen by now, I gave a handout to you as you walked in the door. If you were not able to grab one, we have some extras right there on the table by the exit. But in that handout, in every single book of the Old Testament, there is at least one explicit example of Jesus being prophesied or foreshadowed in the Old Testament. And when you have some free time, whether it's tonight or later this week or this weekend, I just want to encourage all of you, parents, students, take some time to work through that list and see how in the Old Testament, Jesus is present from the very beginning. He's present in pictures and prophecies 
and shadows. I guarantee you that you will be immensely blessed by doing so. That list should have Old Testament references and New Testament references to show the fulfillment uh, of those Old Testament passages pointing to Christ. So please work through that uh, over the course of this week or this weekend, whenever you have some free time. We don't have time to exhaust those examples today. But main principle, first observation, right out of the gate in the book of Hebrews. Jesus Christ is being pictured, foreshadowed, prophesied about from Genesis to Malachi. He is the goal of Old Testament revelation. But there's a second observation I want us to make from our devotional today. Observation number two, coming from the beginning of verse two and in keeping with what the author to Hebrews has already said in verse one, we find that the second observation from this text is this. God's provision of Christ's revelation. God's provision of Christ's revelation is our second observation from this text. How has God provided Jesus Christ? How has he revealed Jesus Christ in human history? Notice again, if you have your Bible open to our passage, that very first half of verse 2. Look at what the author says. He says, in these last days, God has spoken to us in his son. This is God's provision of Christ's revelation. In context, the writer of Hebrews is saying that Jesus Christ is the climax and the consummation of God's self-revelation and redemption and redemptive history. Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of how God has chosen to reveal himself in time and space throughout history. Whereas the Old Testament, as we just mentioned a few moments ago, whereas the Old Testament pointed forward to Christ as the goal of God's self-revelation, the New Testament proclaims Christ as the personification of God's self-revelation. That's what the author means when he writes, in these last days, God has spoken to us in his Son. My friends, after Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, after he lived a perfect life without sin, after he died on that cross bearing the wrath of God on behalf of every person who would ever believe, after he was resurrected from the dead three days after his crucifixion, after Jesus ascended into heaven, after that glorious work of Jesus that he accomplished throughout his incarnation, Scripture tells us that history entered into an extended period of time that we call the last days. This reality is evidenced in many places throughout the New Testament, maybe most clearly in texts like 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 11. It's interesting that in that passage, the Apostle Paul explains how important it is for Christians to learn from the example of Old Testament Israel. So how can we as Christians today learn from what God accomplished and what God was doing in the Old Testament? Well, Paul explains that to us in 1 Corinthians 10, 11, And I think there's great value for us to take away from that text. Listen to what Paul writes there. He says, now these things happened to Israel. All the Old Testament stories about Israel happened as an example, Paul says. And they were ultimately written down for our instruction Upon whom, upon us, the last days have come. So although each passing day brings us closer to the second coming of Jesus Christ, 
Very interesting to note that redemptive, historically speaking, from God's vantage point, the last 2,000 years have been characterized with the phrase, the last days. And we will remain in this period of history until Jesus Christ returns to judge the living and the dead. Until Christ returns, he is going to gather a mighty tribe of redeemed sinners from every corner of the earth. Every tongue, tribe, and nation will ultimately be represented in God's heavenly kingdom. And that is what he's been doing for the past 2,000 years. And that's what he's going to continue to do until he comes to return in glory. But so what? What do we make of God's provision of Christ and the revelation that Christ has brought? How does this apply to you today at this Inez Co-op? Parents, how does this apply to you and how you go about your jobs and how you raise your kids and how you pour into this community at this co-op? Well, I want you to know that until Christ returns, we can rest assured that we have the complete and perfect record of God's self-revelation in the Bible. If you have a Bible, whether it be a hard copy or as many of you likely have it on your phone, you have everything you need to know to know who God is and to know how to live a life that is pleasing to Him. You have everything you need to know the living God right there in those 66 books, Old Testament and New Testament. Why would we not commit ourselves to studying it? Why would we neglect that study in our lives? As I said to many of you as I was passing out the handouts, what I'm giving to you is the most important and precious gift you will ever receive. Right there on that piece of paper. It's not because the ink or the paper is valuable. It's because of what those biblical references are pointing to. God's provision of Christ's revelation. Foreshadowed and pictured in the old and ultimately accomplished and fulfilled in the new. So whether it be preparing for the revelation of Christ throughout Old Testament history or bearing witness to Christ in the New Testament writings, my friends, we find that all of Scripture is about Jesus. It points us to Him. He's the center of redemptive history. He's the core of biblical truth. He is the most important person that you could ever come to know and serve. And I hope and pray that every person in this room would come to know Him. That you would turn away from your sins and repentance And that you would trust Jesus Christ by faith and enter into a personal, intimate, eternal, and all-fulfilling relationship that only He can provide for your soul. Well, lastly, as we strive to bring this devotional to a conclusion, we've observed that God's preparation for Christ's revelation is the first observation we can make from Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. We've surveyed God's provision of Christ's revelation as we reflect on Jesus entering into time and space and being that provision of God's revelation in what the writer called the last days. But lastly, third observation, and hopefully all the more motivation for you to study the Word of God for yourself, to be committed to knowing and applying God's Word to your life. Observation number three. I want us to see God's purpose for Christ's revelation. God's purpose for Christ's revelation as testified in the second half of verse 2. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 2, second half of the passage says this. Whom God appointed heir of all things, through whom also God made the world. So in this final half of verse 2. The author of the book of Hebrews documents for us a key purpose 
for Christ's revelation, for God's redemptive historical provision of Christ. And what is that key purpose? It's simply this. By virtue of Christ's role as creator with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And by virtue of Jesus' role during his incarnate life as the redeemer of sinners like you and me. God has appointed Christ, because of his work as creator and redeemer, God has appointed Christ to be the heir of all things in created reality. Jesus is the heir of all things. What does that mean? What do we mean by heir of all things? Well, the word the writer of Hebrews uses for heir simply means this. It means to inherit or possess something by legal right. How does it apply to Jesus? Well, in the case of Jesus, because he created all things, because he assumed a true human nature, because he perfectly accomplished everything that the Father sent him into the world to accomplish, Jesus has the legal right to claim all of reality. As Abraham Kuyper once said, there's not a molecule or an inch in the entire universe in which Jesus does not point to and declare mine. He owns all things by his sovereign creatorhood and he has obtained all things legally through his perfect accomplishment of redemption some 2,000 years ago. Isn't this what we see explained by the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 2 verses 9 and 11? Take a look at that text with me if you have a copy of God's word in front of you. Philippians chapter 2 verses 9 and 11, one of the most important texts in all of scripture because you and I are going to have to deal with this text. You and I are going to have to experience what is being described in that passage. And we need to stamp that in our brain and be consumed with it so that we might live faithful lives. Listen to what Paul writes. It's a powerful argument. He says, in keeping with what he said in the previous verses, which ultimately are testifying to Christ's earthly obedience, as a result of what Christ accomplished, as a result of his earthly obedience, God highly exalted Christ. And he bestowed on Christ the name which is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. My friends, if you're in Christ today, you serve a powerful, sovereign, ruling and reigning Lord and King And when he comes to earth in glory, and when you bow to him and confess him as Lord, he will receive you with great joy into his heavenly kingdom. And you will live with him and all the redeemed and all the holy angels forever and ever, basking and relishing in the unsearchable glory of God. Your soul will be overflowing with the goodness of God. But if you don't know Jesus... If you do not surrender your life to his lordship and his legal right to rule over you as God and as the one who accomplished the father's work of redemption in history. If you fail to trust in him in this life, you're still going to bow to him when he returns. You're still going to confess him as Lord, as master over all. But he will not receive you into his kingdom He will send you to everlasting hell where you will experience the full, unhindered wrath of God for your sinful 
rebellion and unbelief in this life. That's why this text is so important. And this is why this text ultimately should motivate us to study the Word of God. My friends, how could we neglect the Bible if someday we're going to have to give an account for our lives on this earth and ultimately when we know that Jesus is the only one that can fulfill us as human beings. He's the only one that can provide rest for your soul and fulfillment and purpose and meaning that I know every one of you people crave regardless of your age. You're looking for meaning, purpose, direction, fulfillment, rest, satisfaction, whatever adjective you want to use. You're looking for something that's far beyond yourself that nothing in this world can ultimately provide. Look to Jesus and He will fulfill that. Look to Him as proclaimed in the Old Testament. Look to Him as testified in the New Testament. See that beautiful unity of Scripture. And ultimately, upon making that recognition in your study of the Word of God, come to Him by faith and relish and the satisfaction and the goodness that He will provide for your soul. I pray that this brief devotional has whet your spiritual appetite for not only studying the Word of God, but applying its truths to your life so that you might know God and enjoy Him forever as your Father in Heaven. Let's close in prayer and we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word and for its Christ-centeredness from every page, every line, every verse, from start to finish, cover to cover. It is about Jesus points us to him. We thank you for the clarity of your word. We thank you for the power of your word to transform lives like all of us here, just ordinary, sinful human beings in dire need of forgiveness for our sins. And your word is the power to bring us from spiritual deadness to spiritual life through faith in Jesus Christ. Oh God, may every, every soul in this room come to know him. We pray that 2022 would be a year in which we are eager to study your word. And Father, that in doing so, we pray that we would be further conformed into the likeness of Christ, into his moral character. And Father, as we behold the one who is at the center of Scripture, we ask that we would find ourselves becoming more and more established in our commitment to know him as revealed in your word and as testified to throughout redemptive history. May our lives, Father, be firmly rooted in the likeness of Christ and, Father, help us to deeply root ourselves in your Christ-centered word. We love you, God. We thank you for the privilege it is to join together with other believers, to be educated, and, Father, to be encouraged to pursue you with every fiber of our being for as long as you give us life to do so. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.